Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Gays Against Guns, New York, is an inclusive direct action group of LGBTQ plus people and their allies committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death. Investors, manufacturers, the NRA, and politicians who block safer gun laws. We are New York-based, but work with gag chapters in other cities to ensure safety for all individuals, particularly vulnerable communities, such as people of color, women, those who struggle with mental health issues, LGBTQIA plus people, and religious minorities. GAG condemns white supremacy, all instances of excessive police force and police militarization. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Radio GAG, the Gays Against Guns show. Radio GAG is your update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I am your host, Sarah Germain Lilly. September is Suicide Awareness Month. Suicide is an epidemic in the U.S. with teenagers, the middle-aged, elderly women, and especially men, all among the victims. This month, we explore gun suicide, what can be done about it, and especially the access to guns that kill about 70% of suicide victims. On our show today, we feature an interview with Katrina Breeze, artist, activist, and promoter of Donna's Law, now in effect in three states nationally, Washington, Virginia, and Utah. Our in memoriam, the Dunham family of Akron, Ohio. Gun Violence Prevention News by Ty Kersley. And next, our in memoriam. In memoriam, the Dunham family of Akron, Ohio. The following text is from an obituary published in the Akron Beacon Journal, August 28, 2023. Melissa Gail Dunham, 42, was born in Akron and a resident of Hartville with her three children, Renee, Amber, and Evan. She graduated from Lake Local Schools and Westminster College, later earning her MBA at Kent State and Master's in Tax at the University of Akron. She was employed at Bober Markey Fedorovich, where she recently made partner. Melissa was a member of the Girl Scouts of Northeast Ohio, CSS, and the Cleveland Tax Club. She was the recipient of the Greater Akron Chamber 30 for the Future Award, as well as the Women of Professional Excellence Award. She enjoyed walking her dogs and staying active and was dedicated to her family and community service. Renee Elizabeth, 15, Amber Nicole, 12, and Evan Nicholas, 9, were all born in Akron and attended Lake Local Schools. Renee attended Lake High School and was a member of Girl Scouts of Northeast Ohio, Lake Marching Band, Jazz Band, and the Lake YMCA Titans. She loved reading, video games, and drawing. Amber attended Lake Middle School and was a member of Girl Scouts of Northeast Ohio, band, cross country, and the Lake 
YMCA Titans. She loved sequins, glitter, and sparkles, creating fashion and baking. Evan attended Lake Elementary and was a member of the Boy Scouts of Northeast Ohio and the Lake YMCA Titans. He enjoyed Legos, baseball, video games, reading, and could solve a Rubik's Cube in two minutes. All three loved anything that included their family and animals. They are all survived by Melissa's parents, Tim and Bonnie Murphy, Melissa's sister, Valerie, Murphy Dougherty, and extended family and community. Melissa Gale Dunham and her three children were found dead with their father, their presumed killer, on August 25, 2023. Police discovered their bodies all dead of gunshot wounds after a wellness check that evening. Police have named the incident a quadruple murder-suicide. Melissa, Renee, Amber, and Evan, we remember you. Suicide is often a factor in mass shootings, domestic violence, and family annihilations, which are becoming more and more common. The shooter, in these cases, usually kills himself after their deadly rampage. These deaths are not included in the widely publicized statistics that show two-thirds of gun deaths as suicides. Next up, Gun Violence Prevention News by Ty Kersley. This is Ty Kersley with the Gun Violence Prevention News. Texas has the highest rate of family annihilation cases in the U.S., a new study shows. Gun violence is not a new phenomenon in the U.S. In fact, it is so common, much has been made over how many have seemingly become desensitized to coverage of such deaths. But when the news that an entire family has been killed from within, even the most desensitized audiences take notice. In the U.S., this happens every five days. Among researchers, it's called family annihilation and refers to instances where one person kills at least two close family members, often including their spouse or a dating partner, parents, or children. That's according to a study conducted by the Indianapolis Star and analyzed by the Austin American Statesman. In their analysis, the Statesman found that 12% of the victims in these cases were Texans, making it the nation's leader. Makisha Hooper is the Coordinated Community Response Manager for the Texas Council of Family Violence. She compiles their annual domestic violence homicide research and spoke to the Texas Standard about the Indianapolis Star study. The study's findings didn't surprise her. She said, I think that if we reconciled our findings with the findings they had in their investigation, we might find that the number is even higher, and it's likely because of the high access to guns in Texas. In Texas, we have over 200 domestic violence homicides every year, Hooper said. A leading driver of domestic violence homicides in Texas and in this investigation is firearm access, and we see that over 75% of domestic violence homicides in Texas are perpetrated with a firearm. The data was focused on the two and a half years since COVID-19 pandemic. For Hooper, this made sense since overall domestic violence and related homicides spiked around this time. 
A lot of the stressors of the COVID pandemic exacerbated the issues around domestic violence and mental health. So that isolation, the financial pressure, and those types of things are exacerbating the increase in the number of homicides that we are seeing, she said. But as far as prevention goes, Hooper worries that there's not enough being done. What we know is that we need many layers of prevention to interrupt these really tragic outcomes. She said there are three main layers that would be helpful. Educating young people about what healthy relationships look like. Risk factor screening for law enforcement so they can decide how best to proceed in a domestic violence situation. And long-term support for victims of domestic violence and family annihilation tragedies. But there are a lot of resources that do exist in Texas for both victims and perpetrators. We have services for people who harm their partners that are outside of incarceration. For example, some psychoeducational services called battering intervention and prevention, Hooper said. And then we have models for law enforcement for healthcare providers to use screening and intervention with everyone that they're seeing. And for those who are in a critical situation, Hooper said the best resource is always to call 911. But if you don't feel that's an option, or if you're wary of involving the police, there's a national hotline that can help walk you through your options. They provide anonymous support, safety planning, and connection to your local services, Hooper said. And they'll help you get connected to a program in your community that can help navigate the more complex issues that you're facing regarding safety and dealing with the abuse that you're experiencing. The National Domestic Violence Hotline number is 800-799-7233. They offer 24-7 call support, live chat, and text support. They also have resources to plan for safety, identify abuse, and support loved ones. That's the GVP News. I'm Ty Kersley with Radio Gag. This is Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. You can hear us on any podcast platform. We want to hear from you. Subscribe and leave a message after you listen. Tell us what you love about Radio Gag or what really makes you gag about gun violence. We're back with Radio Gag. Next up, our interview with Katrina Breeze. Donna's Law, named after Katrina's mother who killed herself immediately after purchasing a gun provides a do not sell option for those who are affected by mental illness to voluntarily restrict their ability to purchase a gun. This would prevent the impulse suicides of those who drive to a gun store, purchase a gun with no waiting period, and then shoot themselves. Welcome listeners. I'm here with Katrina Breeze. She is an artist, activist, and has done significant work on gun violence prevention, specifically suicide prevention. So welcome, Katrina, to Radio Gag. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I've been so excited to learn about your um, your activism. And I'd like you to tell us about your personal artistic style, parades, the carnivals, the street theater sensibility that you use to such great effect. Yeah, so um, I've lived in New Orleans the last 20 years and I have been in the Mardi Gras industry, which 
most people don't even realize there is a Mardi Gras industry, but there is, and it is enormous. And so I help create parades during carnival season, but also for film and television and commercials. And um, you, you'll see parade scenes in all kinds of shows. And now you'll realize that there's someone behind that work doing it. Great. Is there a particular event that uh, you remember that you could describe a little bit about and tell us about it? Sure. Um, so one of my uh, most proudest artistic accomplishments is the Bearded Oysters Dance Troupe, which is one of the largest dance troupes in Carnival. And I have been the mother shucker of that group now for, um, I think, 18 years and we have been in all the best parades in New Orleans. We have um, been in a Super Bowl commercial. We've done America's Got Talent with the dance troupe. So the, the dance troupe has really been the foundation of my artistic career. And then since um, creating the dance troupe, I have also created a another crew in new orleans crews are kind of like fraternities that create parades so i have two crews the bearded oysters and then also the crew of colossus and the crew of colossus is all animals built out of paper mache on tricycles and it creates a non-exploitive exhibition of animals much like a zoo without actually harming animals and it is completely created out of upcycled materials and turning trash into treasure. And my early activism had a lot to do with greening Mardi Gras. Um, Carnival is a huge environmental disaster. The Mardi Gras beads end up in the trash and have a lot of toxins in them. And so my early work was about making Mardi Gras more about the show than the throw and teaching people how to have a new experience um, rather than just tossing cheap trinkets at the crowd for applause. So rather than just um, using this cheap trick to get attention, I help people use real art and performance and costumes and choreography and develop spectacles that get the crowd cheering and get people the attention they want. Um, so that is the, the real joy of my career. That is terrific. And having been to Mardi Gras myself and looking forward to going back hopefully many times, I can completely understand. And I, I wonder if I even saw the bearded oysters at one point dancing. Uh, I was also overwhelmed by the bands and uh, the color and so, so much in uh, that uh, beautiful artistic expression of human joy. It's so amazing. So I know that uh, you're promoting this gun violence prevention, suicide prevention legislation because of your mother's suicide. Maybe that was the inspiration. Mm -hmm. And please tell us about that event and your decision to create and promote gun suicide prevention legislation on a state and a federal level. Uh, sure. Um my mom had a battle with bipolar and with a battle with bipolar comes a lot of things like having to 
be experimental with medications from your doctor. And one of the medications had a severe side effect of suicidality, which many antidepressants do. Um, she was very aware of the threat to her life that this posed, and she self-committed voluntarily into psychiatric wards three times um, right before her death. The day before her death, she begged her psychiatrist for help. Her partner had quit his job to stay home with her and protect her. Our entire family was doing everything that we could with every resource available, um, what we thought was the best doctors, the best care that money could buy. Um, but we didn't realize was that her ability to get a gun was so close that whole time. And had my mother been involuntarily committed to a mental hospital, she would have lost her ability to purchase a gun. But because she had voluntarily committed and self-advocated and because our family did a lot of the work rather than um, giving it over to the police or the courts to take care of her, we didn't realize one of the most important tools that we were missing, and that was depriving her of access to purchase a firearm. The day that she died, she Googled how to hang herself. Google provided several articles, and the article that she read suggested that a handgun was a m much more effective tool and that if she tried to hang herself, she would likely end up a quadriplegic or um, have other uh, negative side effects from that attempt. Google then encouraged her with um, a list of local gun stores and then she pressed go and drove to a gun store it, where I live in Louisiana. There's no barrier to purchase a gun, really. I, I don't even think people can imagine how absent restrictions of guns are where I live. I could literally have you over to my kitchen and give you a gun. And now that's your gun. So we really don't have the tools. And um, my mother was also suffering from very severe tremors at the time where she would shake so badly that she couldn't hold a fork because she would stab her face. She could barely write with a pen. And so she was sold the gun and then she took it to the park and she shot herself at the public park in New Orleans um, near a place called the Tree of Life at Audubon Park. And when she was discovered, um, we were notified by the police, and after that, her car was returned to us. And in the front seat of her car was all the evidence of a deadly shopping spree, three business cards from a gun shop whose motto was, because your safety matters, um, a, a box of pink bullets for breast cancer awareness, which I find incredibly disgusting. Um, also, um, you know, the empty box from the gun. And so that's what we were left with. And immediately it was very clear to me that this was a shopping experience gone horrific. And in immediately I launched into action. I think that anyone who loses somebody, especially to suicide, is plagued with what could we have done differently? 
And your brain just does not stop that thinking, even though you know that they're gone and you know that you can't change reality, but your brain continues to keep thinking. And my brain immediately said, why couldn't my mother have self-advocated to not be able to purchase a gun? My mom had given up all her freedoms that she could in order to protect herself, including um, putting herself into what she referred to as jail at the psychiatric hospital. She had um, allowed her body to take in whatever medicines that the doctors recommended. She gave up access to our family, to her pets, um, to cigarettes, to any other comfort that she had in her life to protect herself from suicide. And she really did not want to die. And so, and I knew my mom want, did not want to die. She had been saying that over and over for the year before. She had been working so hard to make sure that this episode passed and that we could, you know, have our mother at the end of it. But we didn't have that option. She didn't have that option. And so now we're creating that option for other families and other people that want the ability to protect themselves from impulsive gun purchases. You are listening to Radio Gag in our special podcast for Suicide Awareness Month, Gun Death by Suicide. If you haven't guessed by now, we want you to get involved in the fight to end gun violence. One of the best ways is to work for change in your own community by starting a Gays Against Guns chapter or joining another gun violence prevention group such as Change the Ref or Moms Demand Action. Next, the conclusion of our interview with Katrina Breeze. It's an amazing story and my, my brother, um, committed suicide, but he did not use a gun. And I've got to say in the 10 years, and, and most people um, who attempt suicide uh, don't have a recurrence, but he did have multiple attempts. But in those 10 years where he was attempting to kill himself, I, we became closer and he had more victories in those in that period of time than he had previous to that. So it's, so valuable to have these just these stops in place so people can recover we are talking about uh, suicide prevention so let's mention that the suicide the mental health hotline now number is 988 and if you know someone or if you have suicidal ideation yourself, you can call 988 and you can talk to someone about that issue and get some relief and get some help. So Katrina, your personal activism is so inspiring. Can you tell us about the process to draft the legislation and get it to a vote and your successes in Washington, Virginia and Utah and other places? Sure. Um, because of my dance troupe, I had access to a lot of amazing women. And there had been a woman that had applied to the dance troupe, but then not joined. But her and I had become friends. And she had recently um, been hired by Amnesty International to work in their gun policy 
advocacy department and I had written her a congratulations letter about her new position about two weeks before my mom died. And um, then my mom died by impulsive gun suicide. And I called her and I, I told her and I begged her to think of something that we could do. And she very quickly came up with this concept. Her name is Victoria Coy. And I'm so grateful that um, that morning, you know, in our pajamas over the phone, um, we were able to conceive something that that is so important. Um, at that point, uh, there had just been a legislation created in Washington state. It hadn't gone into effect yet, um, but it had been passed and it had been conceived by Professor Fred Vars, who is a law professor at the University of Alabama. And I was able to get it into the Louisiana legislature very quickly, although it did not progress. And at that point, I was connected with Fred Vars, who is um, kind of the master drafter of these bills and a huge advocate. And now him and I have partnered partnered up to bring this everywhere. Um, so we've currently passed it in Washington State, Utah, which was actually passed unanimously in Utah, which I'm really proud of. And um, Virginia now has it. We were able to get it to Congress last year, although it didn't um, it didn't progress. One of one of the hardships that people don't realize about legislation is that you have a time limit. It's like baseball, like you won't, there's a season and then you only get as far as you can that season and then you're back to zero as soon as the legislative session ends. And so one of the biggest hurdles is that, for example, in Congress, there's probably 10,000 bills that want to be heard and a very small percentage of those will progress and, and get a hearing. Um, so that's been a hurdle. And sometimes it just takes too many years of trying to get all the way with it. But um, I feel like each year we do it, we we have a better team, we have better endorsements, we have better bills, we have more support. Um, so each year I do feel like it does progress, even though it doesn't necessarily pass as quickly as I would like it to. We currently have drafted bills in Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan, Massachusetts, New York, and probably a lot more. It's it's gaining so much traction that I literally cannot keep up with who has drafted a bill. But we've had about 20 states put it forward. So we work with legislators to support them and help them by creating stronger bills, partnering with endorsement agencies, including groups like NAMI, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, the American Bar Association, National Education Association, all of these stakeholders. That's what it's like. It's so exciting and empowering and so great. This bill has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. And I got so excited the more that I read because somewhere around 46 percent of the people who commit suicide have uh, mental health, previous mental health ideation of some kind, you know, and, and you think two thirds of all gun deaths 
are from suicide. And then you think of this, okay, well, half of that, that's 30% of all gun deaths uh, have mental health issues. And then even if some percentage, 5%, 10%, 25% have enough insight to be able to take care of themselves in this way. And as you say, I, you know, I mean, how many of these people have voluntarily committed and voluntarily recognized their own risks to themselves and their family, these people, their deaths could be prevented and so much tragedy and harm. I mean, the the numbers you say are, are big numbers. And recently I received a copy of my family tree on my father's side, not my mom's side. And I looked at all the people that had died before they were 80 years old. And 100% of the people in my family that died before they were 80 years old, it was suicide. And there's a lot of suicide in my family. So even though we think of like two thirds of death or or this many or that many, it's really 100% in my family. Like when a doctor asks me about my family history, there's really nothing I can say. My family doesn't die of cancer we die of gun suicide so this this issue is enormous for certain families and for all families i mean i imagine everybody out there has been affected by this and if they don't know that they're affected by this it might be because people often lie about how people die and so we don't really even educate ourselves about this public health crisis because there's so much covering up and shame and stigma and these ideas about contagion and the way that the media allows us to speak about it or not and um the the abs like silence is violence i mean i really appreciate being able to have this conversation with you openly because i am censored so much by just saying gun suicide in the media it, i can't even be on a lot of social medias because if i say gun suicide my profile will get flagged i don't think that i can even say suicide on tiktok if Every every news article that I get when I go to open up my own story, I get like up, up to three content warnings, um, for example, on Facebook about reading my own story or on YouTube or um, so it's very, very difficult to get the word out about the reality of this public health crisis. When we think about suicide and guns, we have this idea that it's two thirds of the gun deaths are suicide. But if we really step back and look at what that other third is, many of those are people killed by someone who then committed suicide with a gun, whether it's the mass shootings we see where the person dies by a so-called self-inflicted gunshot wound, which is suicide. Uh, the, the most common type of mass shooting is actually what's called a family annihilation, which is someone in the family killing everybody in the family and typically killing themselves after. I've looked at data about domestic violence. It is very common for a man to shoot himself after shooting his partner. So when we think about preventing um, school shootings and and things like that, that the media is very focused on, um, suicide prevention is actually a way to prevent all gun violence. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm wondering if there's anything else that you'd like our listeners to know before we say goodbye. 
Sure. I would like people to really consider doing legislative work. Um, I'm an artist. I love to parade, but this really isn't the time for art and parades. This is the time for legislation. And if people want to support my legislation, I really hope they will. They can go to Donna'sLaw.com. If they would like to help me to continue to be able to travel and talk to legislators, I would really appreciate funding. I don't have any organizations giving me money on this, um, including all the big gun groups are not helping me. Um, so support like that is much appreciated. We also encourage people to sign up on our website, Donna'sLaw.com, to allow us to use their constituency in different states as a bridge to speak with their legislators. So for example, um, one of the things I do a lot is I identify someone in a state and then ask them to make an appointment, a virtual phone appointment with their legislator to discuss this. And then I sit in on the appointment, um, as well as Fred, um, with his expertise in law, and we help bring that to that state. Thank you so much for your work and your advocacy, Katrina Breeze, artist activist. And again, this is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And if you know someone, if you yourself are having any thoughts of self-harm, please call the National Mental Health Hotline. It's The number is 988. And thank you so much, Katrina, for your work and your advocacy. Hope to have you again on Radio Gag. Thank you. To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. We meet once a month at the LGBTQ Center on 13th Street in Manhattan and on Zoom. Please email gagsignup at gmail.com. That's G-A-G-S-I-G-N-U-P at gmail.com. And we'll provide you with a Zoom link and details. Everybody is welcome at any and all gag events. And you can donate to Gays Against Guns. Currently, we are producing a documentary about Gays Against Guns by filmmaker Paul Rowley and preparing for the National Gun Violence Vigil on December 6, 2023. You can contribute any amount on our webpage, gaysagainstguns.net. It's time to end our show. Thanks for listening, and we are back with a new episode almost every week. Upcoming shows include a focus on suicide prevention for the month of September and a series on the economic and social costs of gun violence in our country. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on any major podcast platform. Our shows are also featured on BRIC, B-R-I-C, Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Please subscribe to our podcast so you'll be notified when new shows drop. And we leave you with our fabulous singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. You gotta have faith. Well, I think it would be nice if we could break your lobby. Cause no, not every lobby knows how to lobby like you. No. And you never think twice before you take our dreams away. Well, we say the NRA and all the cash you blew. Oh, yeah, you bought a Congress for 20 million. And 
and then the White House, 30 million more. Well, you can spend your heart out a billion, zillion. We don't care about your money, we are showing you the door. Cause we gotta have faith. We gotta have faith. Oh yeah, we gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. We gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. Baby, we won't go back to yesterday. So please, 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 sashay away. You are giving us the blues. Baby, we're gonna break the money chain. Then we won't have to feel the pain of another day loaded down with a lot of bad news. Just watch this river become an ocean. Listen, do you hear that mighty roar? Yeah, baby, we'll keep resisting your evil notions. We have had it up to here, and we are showing not one more. Cause you gotta have faith. We gotta have faith. Oh yeah, we gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. We gotta have faith, the faith, the faith. Ah.